Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we're going to talk some Rays baseball with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times coming up in just a second. You want to stay on tune for that, the uh, best team in the American League as we uh, tape this podcast at least... Uh, just a remarkable start and season for Kevin Cash and the guys. We'll start with the Bucks and their cuts. Not a lot of surprises, certainly. Um, Ryan Griffin, probably the biggest name because he's been here the most years. The quarterback is gone. Uh, he was uh, released. Not not too shocking there. We knew they were going to go with Brady, Blaine Gabbard, and yes, they drafted Kyle Trask uh, as a second-round pick, so he was not going to be subject to waivers. Somebody would have claimed him. Griffin is eligible because they have new rules now with respect to the practice squad, and the plan might be to, to bring him back on that 16, 17-man uh, practice squad, so we'll see. Uh, some other things you can glean from this, most of the draft picks, at least as we sit here. Now, this roster is not set, okay, because they still have more work to do. Uh, most teams, you know, they had to get to 53, but uh, four players that are on COVID who are all going to make the team for the Bucks, including Indomitian Sue and... Um, I guess uh, their, their place kicker, Ryan Suckup, those guys didn't count against the, the 53. So they actually have 57 players right now because of the COVID list. So they have some more work to do. But uh, it looks like most of the draft picks make it. Jaden Mickens was cut, so that means uh, you can assume that um, you know, maybe uh, Jalen Darden uh, is the guy that's going to return kicks or at least won that job as an extra receiver. Um, but... You know, right now they might have a decision to make two on the offensive line. Watford and, and Nick Leverett are both guys that are on the COVID list, so they could carry them. Uh, they did cut uh, Herb Miller, who was uh, pretty good in the four games. He had an interception in the preseason, played pretty well. He could be back on a practice squad. Travis Johnson, who I know they like as a receiver, former college quarterback. Uh, they terminated the contract of Jeremiah Ledbetter. Right now they're carrying some some extra defensive linemen. Uh, for the time being, at least. So, again, not not a ton of surprises. Uh, I, I think these were all guys that we had forecasted would probably not make the final roster. Um, but uh, certainly they, they, they leaned towards their draft picks, including Grant Stewart, who was the guy that was the last pick in the draft from Houston still on this team as a special teams player and, and an inside linebacker. I think Cam Gill will probably go on IR after today. That'll create another roster spot. So you'll see some guys, if they do clear waivers, uh, come back on this team. And they'll also look at the rest of the NFL and see who was cut. Which brings us to dun, 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 breaking news. Steve Versnick uh, actually happened before we did this podcast. But the New England Patriots have a quarterback, have a starting quarterback. Cam Newton, right? <laughs> no, actually it's not. It's Mac Jones from Alabama. Alabama. Mac Jones, the rookie, gets the starting nod. And I thought, well, that's shocking enough. Okay, I get it. Mac Jones was great in the preseason. Uh, I think he had eight drives, and they scored on all eight of those drives, at least a touchdown and a field goal. Did you know that? 
And then also Cam Newton did him a big favor by having to, I guess he screwed up a protocol and had to sit time out. He missed five days of practice, get, gave Mac Jones more reps, which you never do in football, is to let your competitor have more reps than you in practice. And he convinced them even further that he was their guy. And then they went up and released Cam Newton. Like he's gone. He's no longer a New England Patriot. And I thought that was bigger surprise. Mac Jones the starter or Cam Newton released? Well, definitely the release because you figured if Mac Jones was going to be the starter, Cam would have been the backup. Yeah. I mean, you weren't expecting them to – at least I wasn't expecting I them wasn't, to release no. Cam. Nope. Didn't see it. And I think the explanation was since they're all in on Mac Jones, it, was, it would be more fair to Mac and possibly more fair to Cam Newton, but certainly they didn't want Mac playing under the – the possible shadow of Cam Newton, who's six foot five, can cast a pretty big shadow. Uh, but more importantly, you know, Cam can go on about his work. Now, I don't know exactly where Newton at this late game. I mean, it's really late in in, in the preseason. I mean, teams are trying to mm-hmm. trim their rosters; they're not necessarily adding players, but that name will get attention. The problem is he's been out there the last two years as a free agent, and the only team that has shown interest in signing him is the one that just released him. So he hasn't done a whole lot in the regular season or the preseason to convince teams that they were wrong about him uh, and that maybe his best years or all his years as a starter have passed. So uh, I think he may have to wait a bit. Now, there's some teams that would seem like, you know, we don't know what we don't know. That Most teams at this point have, have fallen in love with the guys that have been with them throughout the summer and, and training camp and things like that. But if, say, you're the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, who hasn't played since last, what, September or whatever he got injured, didn't play in the preseason, you have a pretty good football team. You think you're going to go places. Um, could you use a backup quarterback like Cam Newton? I mean, we just don't know. Maybe his best play is to just sort of wait a few weeks wait and for see an injury. If, if a starter gets hurt. Right. It's inevitable, right? I, I mean, you know, we were going through before the – before we started recording, you know, what teams could there be? I mean, Washington mm-hmm. with Ron Rivera, but he didn't sign him the last two years. No. And he coached him before. Yeah, um, he had every opportunity. You know, I mean, how, what other team? I mean, you know, Detroit. How, about the, Col- how, about, Goff, how but, about the Colts? How about the Colts who have a non-vaccinated quarterback of their own, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, what, what if uh, they see themselves as a contending team? Yeah, um, I think they do. You know, which which they should. So, th- th- there's a couple. There's a yeah. couple. Could he situations. back up Jalen Hurts in Philly? May yeah, maybe. Sure, maybe. And for that matter, I mean, as we're as we're doing this podcast, at least there's a lot of talk. Uh, you know, about Miami trying to get Deshaun Watson from the Texans, and that's been out there for a while. If they're not able to pull off that deal for whatever reason, uh, because maybe the Texans won't take conditional draft picks based on his availability. I think it's at least a signal that the Miami Dolphins aren't all that confident without Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavaloa and that, that they have a good football team and maybe they would like to have an option behind Tua um, you know, that's stronger than they have now. So uh, that might be a spot for him as well. It'll take some time to sort it all out. And wherever he goes, he's going to be way behind because you know he wouldn't have been in training camp or know the system. So you look for connections of former coaches and this sort of thing. You know, Are there guys out there? Um, you know, that have had Cam Newton before, for example, and they don't need a quarterback, but Mike Shula's in Denver, you know, and mm-hmm. Mike Shula had him during his best years with the Carolina Panthers. If something were to happen, uh, you know, to to Drew Locke or to Teddy Bridgewater, um, you, you, maybe that's a good fit for him. So, Well, maybe, maybe uh, Cam could go to Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> that story. We can't. <laughs> 
We don't have enough time to get into that story because we got Mark <laughs> Topkin coming up. That is the story of the year. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, first of all, if you're ESPN, woof. And if you don't know the <laughs> right? story, so IMG Academy goes up to Ohio, and they're, they're, ESPN played a bunch of high school football games over the weekend on the air. Yeah. Because football hasn't really started yet as far as competitive. Uh, college football had a couple games. but Right. So they, they have all these showcase games, and they put IMG against Bishop Sycamore who apparently is not a real school, played <laughs> a game a real, on Friday night, doesn't have enough players e- to field a team. Not even a real bishop, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Claim, claim to have a bunch of D1 prospects. They have none. <laughs> not even sure the kids were in high school. I, th- I think they were older. <laughs> These are mostly <laughs> JUCO players and things like that. Yeah. And they completely fooled ESPN, and IMG kicked their butts in the game. And <laughs> it's well, crazy. I saw, I saw breaking news that the bishop uh, – What's in that last name of the school? Sycamore. Bishop, Bishop Sycamore's head coach has been fired. <laughs> so, well, their website is like a blog. The about right. page was blank. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't hard to figure out some info on this. <laughs> and apparently, well, and the, the ESPN announcers right at the beginning of the broadcast were like, "We're not sure about this this team." <laughs> <laughs> not sure really they had no info <laughs> i think somebody might be going to jail after this i think people have taken money uh, uh you know from from well, this alleged school that's very possible and it's very possible and as somebody said i, I forget what show i was listening to it's like you can see this on a 30 for 31 day but that also would describe the age of the players um <laughs> or of the team that uh you know some of these guys are not in high school uh at the current time so yeah that's a crazy one um that we'll get to follow. So uh, there'll be more Bucks news, I think, as we uh, you know kind of get down the way here. Uh, the players are off again today. They'll be back at work on Thursday. Mike Evans has restructured his contract, as he seems to do every year. Uh, he'll be signing that uh, later on Thursday when he comes in, just to give them some cap room. It's it's really a more of a transactional deal where they give him a large percentage of his salary in in, uh, in bonus money and signing bonus lower his cap value, create more cap space for things like, you know, uh, waiver wire and, and uh, IR and, and free agents if they have to bring any in and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it, it's just he's their best player. He's not going anywhere. We all know that. Uh, and it benefits the player, too, because he gets that money up front, which he can then invest wisely and begin uh, making money on that money. So I'm, I'm happy for Mike Evans, who's a team guy, Always there to uh, to help them with some, some cap space and things like that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get thirty? Thirty. Ready to get thirty? Ready to get twenty? Twenty. Twenty. Ready to get twenty? Twenty. Ready to get fifteen? Fifteen. 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 Just fifteen bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, big treat for us uh, today to talk a little Tampa Bay Rays baseball with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Mark. You cover a team that has the best record in the American League. They have, uh, as we're doing this podcast, 35 games over 500, which is a club record. And I said in the beginning of the season this would be the best offense they've ever had, and then three days later I said I was wrong. But now, in fact, it looks like the best offense. So let's start there. This is the best offense the Rays have ever had? 
Go with the original thought, Rick. Man, you should stick with your guns there. You had it right. Don't, don't, no, Steve and I, I won't tell anybody you change your mind three days later. Let's oh, I, oh, we already have. We I buckled like a belt. We already have. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I'm as surprised as, as many other people are. I mean, you looked at this offense coming into the season, and, and you know, I think we all wondered what Randy Rosarena was going to do, but you kind of knew in your, your head he wasn't going to do what he did last postseason or he would have hit 81 homers. So he's had an okay year. Um, you know, you look at some of the other pieces. I mean, Brandon Lau, okay. I mean, he was on a 30-homer pace, and he got hurt in 2019, last year an abbreviated season. So maybe you saw that coming. But Austin Meadows, 100 RBIs. He said he wanted to return to his 2019 form, maybe. But, you know, let's go further. Mike Zanino, 27 mm. homers. You know, and, and the work he has done, you know, not even with homers, but just his overall offensive improvement. And you look around the field, Wander Franco, you know, the guy that was brought up, Week 10 days in, all the hype, he's hitting 180, and, and I and others you know, wrote a story, which I was pointed out to me by some of the Rays officials, like, really, a headline that Wander Franco's hitting 180 after eight games? I'm like, hey, you guys brought him up. Well, Wander Franco's <laughs> been hitting like over 300 since the All-Star break, and I think we're all seeing what he can do. And you just go around the field, and they've got all these guys that are pieces, and they fit together well. You look at what Yandy Diaz has done, and Kevin Kiermeyer and even Brett Phillips, who mostly comes off the bench. The other half of the catching platoon, Francisco Mejia, Joey Wendell. I mean, none of these guys, like, individually you would say, oh, there's a key offensive player. But in totality, with the way that Kevin Cash uses them, with the way Eric Neander constructed the roster, the opportunity to maximize matchups late in games, which is probably a bigger part of this than we acknowledge because it, you know, it kind of unfolds in real time each day. But there is something to this offense they hit homers, they walk off, they strike out a ton. They're going to still lead the majors in strikeouts, but they walk, they hit homers, and now you're seeing guys like Meadows really kind of develop that knack to drive in the runs when the guys are on base. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Meadows has been an RBI machine, and he's had guys in front of him, but he's had big clutch hits, of course. You didn't mention uh, one of the guys that they traded for in that in that uh, list of, of, of hitters, and, and I'm wondering if – could that have could that have lifted this offense? We know it lengthened the lineup, um, and and probably had an impact on Wander Franco as well. I, I think so. You're obviously talking about Nelson Cruz, and I didn't I didn't omit him on purpose, but you know he actually hasn't done quote all that much close quote since he's been here with the Rays as far as his own production. But there's no doubt you talk to the players, talk to the hitting coach Chad Matola, talk to Kevin Cash, they all speak of the effect that he has had lengthening the lineup creating someone else that other pitchers are so worried about that maybe, you know, they're not as focused, which I know seems weird, but you, you can't focus everybody at 100%. You know, there's certain right. guys you say pregame, you know, we're not going to let this guy beat us, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. I, I think Nelson Cruz has provided that. And then, you know, go back to those first couple days when he joined the team in Cleveland. I think G-Man Choi was about 8 for 10 because he was hitting in front of him and he was just getting better pitches than he'd been getting. You know, yeah. so it's just a matter of how teams – try to work around Nelson Cruz. I mean, there's the, the Rays actually lead the majors overall in offense, I think, as we sit here and record this. But since Nelson Cruz had been here, they'd been doing that all along. They just recently went to the top spot. But since he arrived his first game, July 23rd, they've been leading the majors in offense and, and runs scored and average runs per game. And, you know, that is obviously a credit to Nelson Cruz, even though his, like I said, his raw numbers don't look like much. So, Again, just the, the way these guys have fit together, uh, the way Cash has used them, the way they constructed the roster. And sure, you didn't see, like I said, Zanino to me is probably the biggest outlier, the one you didn't see coming with the offense he's provided in the tandem with Mejia. 
I think uh, the the no there's only one team with more production out of its catchers, and that's Kansas City, and that's all Salvador Perez. I mean, otherwise, I think the Rays are the most productive catching duo in the majors. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, obviously, what Zanino has done, Francisco Mejia. We've talked about this before, Mark. You and I. What this guy just has a clutch gene. I mean, I I, I know that Zanino has done all this without a you know. A thousand at bats as 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 a guy that would play every single day, but Mejia, they have not lost anything. No, and, and you know, switch hitter, uh, you know, steps in there fine defensively. I know initially when they acquired him, it was part of the Blake Snell trade, and we haven't even got to Luis Patino. Right, yet. it was the key part of that trade. But right, I mean, just, if you got Francisco Mejia, you'd be like, this is a pretty good pickup. I mean, this isn't your standard backup catcher. This guy's pretty good. He could play and. Yeah. There's a little question about his defense. He's handled pretty much everything the Rays have asked him to do defensively. But you're right, Rick. And, and you know, analytic-type people often say there is no clutch factor. That's not a valid thing. Old-school people like us would say, well, maybe there is something to it. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Francisco Mejia play, I think there is because his percentage of hits that have mattered is pretty significant. Yeah, he's gotten big hits and big moments, that's, that's for sure. You know, uh, speaking of the offense and sort of, things that jump started of course eventually Wander Franco was up here um and and to kind of make that happen they made the move with Willie Adamas and Willie Adamas is having an MVP season for the Milwaukee Brewers I mean he's probably jump started that franchise and we'll see how far they go in in the postseason uh you still wouldn't take the trade back because obviously the Rays did very well um but but Franco you know I mean, we all we heard about this guy for so long, right? He was a, he was a, a t- top prospect in baseball. All of that. He goes through the O for eighteen, as you as you mentioned and chronicled. Um, but honest to goodness, I, I can't remember. I mean, Longoria certainly had a rookie of the year uh, season, you know, when he came up. Uh, but this guy looks poised well beyond his years. And I guess, Mark, that's what people had said about him, right? That um, he he just he could do everything, but he handles it. Um, day in, day out. This streak that he's on, they put up the charts, Mark, as we do this podcast. I think it's up to 30 games now reaching base. I mean, he's passing names like Mickey Mantle and Ken Griffey Jr. and you know, and these sort of people. I mean, he's a special, special guy, and it's bared that out in just his first season. Right, and even then, you know, he, he came up, what I think it was June 22nd, so he's basically been a big leaguer for, you know, nine weeks, maybe yeah, 10 weeks coming it. up on that. That's it. Pretty good career so far, and and I I think what you said, Rick, and and you know I wrote a piece in last week's Tampa Bay Times, and certainly still available on TampaBay.com about what's impressed people about him, and, and almost everyone kind of comes back to that point you made. It's to do what he's doing at age twenty, to have the maturity, yeah. to have the consistency, to have the confidence, to have you know just the um, the resourcefulness, and you know. He, you see him do things that, that experienced players don't do. I go back to an at-bat against Araldus Chapman, you know, earlier, earlier, obviously, maybe about a month or so ago, where uh, Franco's fo- foiling, uh, fouling off pitches and foiling what Chapman's trying to do. He throws a 103-mile-an-hour pitch. Franco fouls it off. We asked him the next day, or I asked him, had you ever even faced 103 before? He's like, no, 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 you know, he just, that's what you got to do. And <laughs> to not expand the zone, to not get anxious, to not get nervous, yeah. to not think you have to try to do too much. Those are things that we often talk about that veteran players have to learn how to do. And here's a guy at age yeah. 20 doing that. And then the other fun thing to do, and you and Steve could do it, because I don't really want to know the answer to this question for Steve, but <laughs> what were you doing at age 20? And you compare oh. that to what Wander Franco's doing at age 20 on the stage he's doing it, and, and you know, get yourself depressed for a while. 
Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. It really is when you consider against major league pitching, he's made this adjustments. If there is some improvement that needs to be made, it, it's probably in his defense. He'll have the occasional laps out there, right, Mark? Yeah, and and you know, I, I think there's still probably a question, and the Rays don't want to hear it now, but there's still a question long term: is he a shortstop or does he become a third baseman? I mean, Jose Ramirez. The Indian mm-hmm. superstar is, is actually from Wander's hometown. Their families have been close in the past. And, you know, he's probably a model for that where you end up moving a second or third. And, you know, especially with Taylor Walls in the system, the Rays have a guy many think might be the best defensive shortstop in the entire game, major or minor mm-hmm. leagues. But mm-hmm. Wander's been good, and he's made some really good plays. The arm is stronger than I think I anticipated. And just as a quick aside, so is the foot speed, which I didn't know watching him run the bases. He's kind of got that little yeah. short arm pumps those arms but he gets around the bases when he turns it on but the arm uh the positioning i think you know we saw the other night on this road trip in uh philly i think it was the last game there where that ball kind of got through where he and brandon Lau kind of looked at each other and the ball went through so there's still some things to learn about the shift who has what responsibility like that but the raw talent and the ability to get balls and chase them down and make the strong throw even from deep in the hole has been pretty impressive with wander but you're right if you were gonna say all right i'm gonna be mr nitpicker here what does he have to do better? Uh, I, I think you'd probably start with the defense there a little bit. Yeah, and we're not going to nitpick when you got a guy who's as productive as him. Look, I, I was one of the the big clanging bells out there saying that I don't know how the Rays are doing this. I don't know how they're going to do this with this starting pitching, right? Um, in the offseason, of course, traded away or lost um, with with the injury to Glass. Now they're three big horses, right? Now you look at their rotation and you say, well, I guess Shane McClanahan is your number one and Louis Patino is your number two. But, Mark, those guys have done it. They've, they've, they've earned that designation. And I, I guess the question is, you know, they've, they've managed to do this without, you know, three horses as some teams have as their starters. They're making this possible. I mean, they have so much depth in their bullpen. And I know we can talk about the injury list and all the guys that have been back and forth. But it looks like that, that they're going to be able to navigate this with these two young pitchers and the bullpen. I, I think so. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, assuming that, you know, they, they have a seven-game lead over the Yankees right now. So you would, you would think that if, if nothing else, the postseason seems pretty assured. And certainly right. the division title is the bigger prize here. You know, how will they set up for a best-of-five first-round series? How will they set up for a best-of-seven second-round series? You know, the off days are back this year, and that's one thing, Rick, if you remember last year, it was a condensed postseason schedule. So yeah, you didn't have the off days, so you had to kind of set your pitching up differently. You can get by with three starter, mm-hmm. quote, type guys uh, the way the postseason schedule will be set up this year because of those off days. And I, I think you're going to see, and, and I'll you know, predict this now, we will hear a lot on television and, and our uh, cohorts and experts in the national media who will be jumping on this train, you know, come October 1 or 2 or 3, about how the Rays are doing things differently and they're revolutionizing baseball. But, you know, they're not going to ask these starters to go deep in the game. I mean, if Shane McClanahan gets on a roll and he can get him into the sixth, hey, they'll be real happy with that. But I think four innings, maybe five innings max out of these starters, and then they're going to just open that door. Uh, it may be the stable all over again. But, you know, they're going to have this depth in the bullpen, and we're starting to see some guys come back. Fire Eisen was back on Monday night. Fairbanks had been back over the weekend. He pitched for the first time Monday night. I know as we sit here and record this, we're not sure exactly what the plans are, but I think one of the September 1st call-ups or shortly thereafter will be David Robertson, the former Yankee and White Sox closer who they signed coming out of the Olympics. Uh, they've still got a couple guys on rehab. Matt Whistler is going to be back soon, who was really effective for them. The guy who throws sliders 90% of the time. So you got Fairbanks throwing high heat, Whistler throwing sliders. 
they're going to just have this depth to the bullpen where they're going to be able to just shut teams down and they don't need that much from the starters. And then, you know, that's probably good. It takes the pressure off. McClanahan is 24. Patino, who's 21. I mean, we talked mm. about Wander being 20. What Patino's doing at 21 is pretty impressive, too. And if they know they got, just have to go out there and keep the team in the game for four or five innings, get through the lineup twice, I think that probably makes it a little easier task for them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, this this pitching staff has, has been – you didn't even mention a guy uh, like a Nick Anderson who we could still see him up before the end of the year, right? Yeah, we could. There's no doubt. He's certainly on the comeback trail. It's been a long path for him. He was injured in spring training. You know, didn't have the surgery. Uh, he could come back. And, you know, there's some guys that have been there all year. And, and you know, Andrew Kitchens found his way to the All-Star game. And yeah. That's still my most, That still might be my favorite story of the year was Andrew Kitchens just with his wife and young son sitting uh, at the restaurant at Disney World. And they get a call from Cash. And he's Andrew looks at his phone and he says to his wife, uh-oh, this isn't good. Why is Cash calling me uh, on Monday night of the All-Star game? I guess it was. Or, I'm sorry, Sunday night. And he thought maybe like he was being traded or something was wrong. He's no, can you get on a plane in the morning and get here to be an all-star? And Kitchen's just like, let me just check with my wife first. <laughs> like, sure. Then he said, can we finish dinner? Yes, you can do both. <laughs> and then, yeah, they got on a plane Monday morning. So, you know, Andrew Kitchen's what he's done, the guys we just talked about that are coming back, the guys that just got back, they're going to have an overpowering bullpen with a lot of different looks. Um, you know, from the left side, we'll see what they do. Adam Conley has been just another one of these guys they found, like Lewis Head, who was selling solar panels, and Dietrich Enns, who was in an independent league. I mean, the storylines of where they found some of these guys is fascinating, but the bottom line is they've all been really effective. And it's been incredible to watch, and, and, and I know there's lots of people out there. Uh, uh, some have written about this where maybe maybe it's bad for baseball and all of this. All I know is Everybody's trying to do what the Rays do, and they're going to win, it looks like, maybe right at or close to or maybe more than 100 games this season, which is just remarkable given the amount of guys they've gone on the IL, particularly in, in their in their pitching staff. I mean, it, it has really been something. And yet, when and if they do get to the postseason, Mark, I think this is going to be a different type of year for them. It has been so far. We talked about the offense, and, and, and certainly their bullpen is the best in baseball. Um, but instead of, of winning games two to one or three to two, they may be able to outslug some teams and win them six to four. No team has scored as many runs as this bunch after the seventh inning or seventh inning and beyond. It's incredible how their at bats get better and they've really beaten up some bullpens. Yeah, I mean, you know, the other night they got their fortieth come from behind win, and that was when they were at the eighty one win mark. So think about that happening. Now some of those are some of those are where you're you know, you're behind one nothing in the first and you score sure. in the second and you, you lead the rest of the way. But yeah, you know, I think we looked it up or I looked it up, there were thirteen games where they came back from the seventh on. I think there were eight games where they were down three or more runs going into the seventh and came back and won. So there's been some legitimate you know, really show your resolve, show your resiliency type of games here. There have been some games where they've come back, lost the lead, and had to come back again. And, yeah, that confidence, you can't quantify that, Rick. And I think that's yeah. another benefit for them going into this postseason of knowing, hey, it's all right. If we're down 5-1, we're down 3 to nothing, we're down 6-2, to two, fifth, sixth inning. We, we've done this a bunch of times this year. We can come back. And I think you'll see that have some benefit for them as well. Plus, as you mentioned, you know, just the, the ability to send guys up there that can hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, Nelson Cruz will be a huge benefit to those guys in the postseason, a guy who's been there and done that and certainly had some big playoff series against the Rays when he was with the Texas Rangers. But, you know, they're going to have experience. I was talking to Zanino the other day, and I said, do you think, are you kind of concerned about some of the young guys? And he goes, 
I mean, young age-wise, but he goes, oh, everybody here just about was with us last year and in the postseason. Then Patino was with the Padres in the postseason. So they've all kind of been there except for Wander. They've had postseason experience before. So even that's not going to be new to them or phasing them. So I, I think this is a team that's really well positioned uh, to, to, you know, get deep, certainly assuming they get into the postseason, and especially if they win the division and they can avoid that coin flip wildcard game. Yeah, no doubt. Nobody has been better in the postseason, at least last year, maybe in baseball, than Randy Arozarena, who's had his up and downs, Mark. But it looks like um, he's settled in pretty good here this last month or two. Um, are you starting to see that that spark come back in his bat in the consistency that, that he played with last year? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think we all were spoiled, and, and you realize, you know, to see that much production in that small of a period, the 20-game postseason, that sample, probably none of us will ever see that again. But you definitely see Randy Rosarena playing with more confidence. You know, he still has some games where, you know, he just seems like he has a bad first couple of bats and maybe doesn't do anything the rest of the game. But the production, he had a big hit in one of those comeback wins over the weekend, and you know, he's, he's right back up there. I mean, because last year was uh, such a unique season for many ways, including statistically and some of the rules, he still has rookie eligibility. So if you sit here right now, he's probably the favorite for the American League Rookie of the Year award. Uh, his former, uh, well, his friend and former St. Louis Cardinals minor league teammate, Adalis Garcia from the Rangers is right up there. The Astros have a pitcher. And then, you know, Shane McClanahan's in that mix too. And mm -hmm. I know there's still only a month, to, there's still a month to go and Wander Franco's only been up for nine weeks, but he may end up getting some votes too. So it's really amazing that the Rays could have three of the top four or five rookies uh, in the American League this year all playing right now also. I mean, it's a culture that the Rays have cultivated, you know, in terms of like these guys come up, but they're all unselfish. They're interchangeable in many aspects, can play different positions there doesn't seem – you're in that clubhouse all the time, Mark. There doesn't seem to be a ton of egos in the sense that I know they all have pride and they have some everyday players, um, but these guys seem just to be about winning, uh, and they want to take another step, you know, not just getting to the World Series but but actually winning it. So what's the culture of that clubhouse? It looks from the outside pretty darn good. Let me, let me be semantical here and correct you for a second. We're, we're not back in the clubhouse yet, media access-wise. Oh, that's – well, okay. The, we are on the – I know exactly what <laughs> you're you You're just, around just the players. Listening. Yeah, we, are, <laughs> we right. have had – I mean, we have had uh, basically since about the All-Star break, MLB relaxed the rules. We have on-field access now Thank uh, to God. the home games and on the road yeah. games where we've been traveling now. The Tampa Bay Times has been on the road for every road series, I think, except for one since the second half, and we, we'll be through the rest of the year. So – yeah, yeah you and you're exactly right. Just to go back to your point, there, and this is probably the hardest thing we talked about. Clutch being hard to quantify. This is probably harder to quantify, and mm. people will say, "Well, it's a winning team. You're going to have that." But mm. the will, the esprit de corps, the clubhouse yeah. culture, the unselfishness, the willingness to put the team first, the don't feel like you have to do everything. Let the next guy do it. That's how some of those rallies are born. They're not born because the first guy goes up there and hits a home run. Sometimes that first guy has to battle back from an 0-2 count and mm -hmm. just fight his way to get a walk and then let the next guy hit it. You know, We saw Austin Meadows the other night come up as a pinch hitter, just hit the ground ball to first base. He, got the first, you know, he wanted to hit a three-run homer. He wanted to drive in both runs with a double, but he got behind yeah. the count, found a way to get the first run home with the ground ball, then someone else got the next run home. That got it to 3-2, and then a Rosarena hits the home run in the eighth, and they go ahead and win the game. It's that kind of everyone buy-in, and that also is how it works with Cash using the lineups that he does, of keeping guys out. You know, they've had one too many outfielders almost all season, so every night there's somebody on the bench who should be playing and, and probably has a fair gripe. Same thing with the bullpen. They've had 12 different guys 
get saves. Diego Castillo has been gone for what a month now is still the saves leader. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to find a way to get these guys to not think you're taking money out of my pocket because it's still a business. Yes. And if you if they think, man, if you don't get I'm getting screwed out of these save opportunities, so you're costing me money. But they don't have these guys thinking that way. They have these guys thinking this is what's best for the team. We're putting you in roles where you're going to succeed. You're going to look good because of how you're performing. The team's going to win because of how you're performing. It's better for everybody. And, you know, Joey Wendell, he went to the All-Star game, and he doesn't play three days out of five or three days out of six. But he doesn't complain. It's just how they see it working. They know the matchup. They know they're going to be used like National League bench players are and get in at some point. Cash loves that setup where he keeps the lefties or the righties out, depending on who the starting pitcher is. And then he can just open the gate and use two or three pinch hitters in a row when he gets the right matchup late in the game. And I think he's very masterful at making sure he realizes when those situations are coming, having the discipline to wait and use guys and then using them in the right situation. Mark, one of those guys, and you wrote about him in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. I know he's on the IL now with a, a bit of a tweaked ankle. And because it's 10, 10 days, uh, he says he probably could have been able to come back in five is Brett Phillips. Local kid, seminal uh, kid, and Listen, for my money, not a guy that that uh, has more fun playing baseball in 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 the big leagues or maybe anywhere. Uh, he he's a joy to watch. He brings fun um, when you see him. So just I, I know they lost Adamas, right? Who was this energy guy? But they had Brett Phillips, and I think that that was probably part of that calculus too. You need those guys, Rick, and and you know it's it's look as writers we we know one percent of what really goes on probably, and sure. you, you know that they need those kind of guys. It's a long season, you know. Mm-hmm. There are days when people are pissed off. There are days when people are grumpy. There's days when the flight's late or the hotel rooms aren't right. I mean, there's there's people have reasons to be upset no matter how great their life is, and they they know that. But there's also days when you show up at the ballpark and you have to put all that aside and do your job. And sometimes you need a guy to do something silly like dance through the clubhouse or play some dumb song, or try to tell some jokes. Or one day he stood over Shane McClanahan and said, you need to follow me on Instagram. And Shane said, sure. And he stood there for about five minutes till Shane finally said, fine, all right, whatever. I'll follow you on Instagram. You know, just, just being silly and weird and uh, lead the celebrations. Be the first guy out of the dugout. You, know, you, you made the uh, connection to Willie Adamas. And one of the things Brett Phillips did is he took over Willie's duties. Willie always wanted to take the helmet off the guy yeah. who just got the big hit. Kind of like, okay, you did your job. You know, mm-hmm. you're off duty now. You did your job. I'll take your hat for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is that guy. There's something about him. And and look, I wrote it in the Tampa Bay Times. I say, not everybody loves it every moment. There's a couple guys when I said, you ever ask him to turn the volume down? And, you know, I'd get a couple answers like, maybe not in those exact words. But, yeah, you know, I know what you're talking about. But, you know, Chris, Chris Archer said, it may be annoying, but it's also endearing. You need that over a full season. And, and you're right. Brett, Brett Phillips, not only he local, his agent is also local uh, to Tom O'Connell over in Tampa. And, he yeah. told me this a while ago, and I repeated it to Brett one day. And Brett, first of all, he thought it, I said it, so he was even happier. But I was happier, I mean. But Tom said there's no one who is more happy to play for the Tampa Bay Rays ever than Brett Phillips. And I, and I think mm. that's true. Local kid, loves repping the hometown, loves the fact that, you know, kind of everybody knows his name uh, and, and has wears that jersey with pride and, and wants to see this franchise succeed. And he's played a big role. I mean, you know, we talk about the, the spirit he provides and all that, but you know, the three grand slams in that 19 uh, plate appearance stretch, which was a, pretty much one short of a record in Major League history, inside the park home run, great defense, fast base runner, an exciting player. Uh, so there's a lot that Brett Phillips brings and, and kind of established himself. Whereas, you know, he was kind of a fringe guy with Milwaukee, a fringe guy with 
uh, Kansas City in the race, saw something in him. And, and yeah, maybe to be the successor to Kevin Kiermeyer next year. We'll see what the offseason brings. But certainly a guy who's added a lot this year. Uh, he's a good ball player. That's that's the first thing that he should be known as. All right, we'll get you out on this one, uh, Mark. Look, it's amazing to me that the Yankees won 13 games in a row at one point. They gained only three games, and they've given that back because of their series against the Oakland A's. So the Rays, as we do this podcast, with a fairly comfortable lead in the American League East. But at some point, um, I'm curious what you think it's the playoffs are going to look like. In other words, who do you think will be there? But more importantly, they got that series with Houston and then the Yankees, of course, to finish it out. Um where where will the biggest competition in the American League come from, you think, as they try to get back to the World Series? Well, I, I can tell you right now that the Rays would like nothing more than to allow uh, you and the Bucks and the Bucks fans <laughs> to have all the focus on October 3rd when they play the Patriots. <laughs> well, because yeah. that's, the day, that's the day of the regular season finale at Yankee Stadium. The Rays would like nothing more wow. than to have the American League just wrapped up before that day, if not that whole weekend. Because, Absolutely. Um, it's you know, obviously it would be a spectacular day if that game mattered, but they'd love it not to matter. They're Tom Brady all the way. They don't care if <laughs> he has all the attention. So, um, you know, that last week is going to be tricky. I threw this into Ray's Tales the other day, and our good friend Dick Vitale actually put it out on Twitter and, and made it a little bit more of a question. What, le- what would you be comfortable with going into that last week, knowing their last six games are at the Astros and at the Yankees? Would a three-game lead, would you be comfortable? Four? I mean, seven would be the easy one because you can't lose it, but I think the Rays, you know, not that they're going to not try to win the games ahead of that, but I think there's going to be a, a pretty good focus to try to get this thing wrapped up before then. Now, as far as, you know, what the playoffs are going to look like, I mean, it would look like the Astros are going to be in, the White Sox, the Rays, and then is the wild card game the Yankees and the A's? Is the wild card mm-hmm. game the Yankees and the Red Sox? I mean, the Blue Jays seem to be out of it for now. I don't think Cleveland's going to make another run. So, you know, it's going to be teams that are good and the teams that are playoff tested and that the Rays, you know, are, are, should be matched up with okay. We saw them have pretty good success against the White Sox. The White Sox have some interesting numbers. Look at their one loss and their record out of the AL Central. It's not very impressive. Their record mm. against the West and East teams is about 500. Yeah. So maybe they're not as good as they look. Uh, we know the Astros are really good. So maybe this ends up being Rays Astros uh, for the third straight year. That would be something. I'd sign up for that. He's Mark Topkin and. He is uh, the best baseball writer in the country for my money, covering the American League's best team, the Tampa Bay Rays. Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the games. All right, Rick. Anytime, buddy. Man, always great to talk to Mark Topkin, who's done this for so many years, but I can't think of one that has been really more interesting. Obviously, 08, they went to the World Series. That was a surprise coming off all the losses they had at that time with Longoria being a rookie, uh, but just as exciting of a rookie in Wander Franco right now in this baseball team um, I'm anxious to see how they will fare in the postseason the days off like he said will help them can they navigate the pitching with their bullpen and just a couple of frontline starters Mm -hmm. uh, who are young guys in in their own right and can they bash their way back to the World Series and who's going to be waiting for them on the other side in the National League which is still up for grabs and some really strong teams with the Giants and the Dodgers just in the NL West alone so it's going to be a fascinating October, and yes, that October 3rd date, circle that on your Tampa Bay calendar because that is the last game of the season against the Yankees, and that is when Tom Brady will be playing Mac Jones and the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium as a prodigal son goes home, one of the greatest stories in regular season history in the NFL ever in the hundred and something years that they've been playing football. So tomorrow uh, we're going to have Matt Baker, our college football writer. We've got college football this weekend, man. 
forget it's going to be weekend, exciting tomorrow night usf oh that's right and USF State, opens it. And i think there's like yeah. 15 other games tomorrow night yeah, so that's right it starts it starts then but i for me I, you know i've i've got to get up on saturday morning see college game day mm-hmm. and then uh, no offense to usf but some of the bigger games in my house the bigger matchups the wisconsin penn state game but the bigger some of the bigger games that are going to be taking place um it's going to be fun it's now week one not week zero as it was uh just last week but uh excited for college football excited uh, for the bucks as they get closer to uh to taking on the dallas cowboys on thursday night which means that their work week actually begins on sunday um that would be their i think their normal wednesday for them as they ramp up to the game so uh, they'll be working over the weekend for that so lots on tap we'll preview all of that later in the week for Steve Versnick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.